everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today, as we continue our series comparing and contrasting the Christian cult that I grew up in with our modern American evangelical Christianity, we'll be asking the question, where, as in where is my heart? Today I'm coming to you from the room that will someday be my office, but is currently my children's bedroom until we finish the basement. So we still have a little more to do in their basement, bedrooms, bathroom, family room down there. So they are both living in my office right now. So I don't really have an office yet, but this room will eventually become my office. I chose it today in the hopes that it will be slightly less echoey since it's smaller and has more stuff in it. But we really need to get uh, carpets and curtains and stuff on the walls and stuff like that. We'll eventually get to a place where our house will be less echoey. So I'm hoping this will be better than yesterday or last week's was. So guys, today we're going to be talking about, obviously, the American church, especially the evangelical church, and also somewhat of the cult that I grew up in, and really just searching our own hearts. And we're going to be looking a lot at Luke chapter 6. This is something that I've really been pondering and thinking about this last week, even without thinking about the podcast. And yet at the same time, I was like, wow, this really just ties together. And some of the stuff that I'm going to say today might be rather unpopular, (laughs) which is kind of funny because that's kind of what Luke 6 is talking about. So I feel like it's kind of ironic and yet fitting. As we talk about where is our hearts? I want to really just start by talking about the people in Jesus's time. So it started probably Monday, maybe. I was thinking about this as I was reading through Luke. I've been just reading slowly through Luke for the past little bit here. And the thing that stuck out to me on Monday as I was reading was this passage that kind of contrasted the crowds with the Pharisees. Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath, which happens a lot. And it really bothers the Pharisees because they feel like the Sabbath is supposed to be this very special holy day that's set apart with no work. And healing people counts as work, in their opinion. I think before we go any farther than that, we really need to just dig into who the Pharisees were and who the Sadducees were because there's this kind of interesting connection. And I've mentioned this on my podcast before. It's something that I've just been thinking about in the last year and really researching, but The Pharisees were very conservative religious leaders. Their whole desire was for the law to be fulfilled. They were very zealous about the law. They really wanted to follow the law and make sure the law was followed and people were following the rules of the law. And they were so zealous about following the law, they actually made up more laws, like thousands of laws, in order to make sure the law was followed. So like the law was there, but then they had a whole bunch of rabbinical traditions and teachings that just kind of tried to maintain this law and make sure that it was actually followed and people were doing the things that God wanted them to do. They knew the scriptures. They had the scriptures memorized. They understood exactly what was expected or what they thought was expected of them. And they were like really good at keeping the commandments. And yet over and over again, Jesus just talked to them about their their religious hearts and their pride and how they were thought they were so much better than everybody else and how they were missing the heart of the law. And ultimately they missed God. 
which is kind of ironic since they knew the scriptures so well, and yet God was not who they expected. Jesus was completely unexpected to the point where they thought that he had a demon or that he was, you know, operating from the powers of the devil and stuff like that. And yet he was God in the flesh. The other religious leaders that we hear about a lot are the Sadducees. And I recently discovered about the Sadducees, and I've talked about this before, but they were a group of religious leaders that had been heavily influenced by Greek philosophy. And so they were very much intellectuals, and they had decided via human reasoning which parts of the Old Testament were true and which parts weren't. And one of the things that they rejected was the idea of a resurrection from the dead. And so I find this just really fascinating because I look at the Pharisees and their zeal for scripture and their zeal for traditions and their belief in these rabbinical teachings. And I look at the Sadducees and their love of human reasoning and like philosophy and wanting to be just, you know, smart and well thought of and stuff like that. And I feel like we're back in the same place right now. And when I look at kind of the mess that's in the evangelical Christian church, There are a lot of people within the evangelical church here in America that know their Bibles. They know scripture. And yet they also very much know the teachings of other people. They know the traditions of men, the doctrines of men that people have created and are holding up. And sometimes they get held up even higher than like the cores of Christianity and the creeds of the faith and the gospel is these other ideas and these other traditions that get held up there, almost to the point where you miss out on the gospel. And it makes me wonder, like, would we miss Jesus? Like, if Jesus was here today, would the American evangelical Christians even recognize him? But on the flip side of that, the progressive Christians today remind me so much of the Sadducees in this desire for human reasoning and understanding, and I'm going to get rid of this you know, faith teaching because it doesn't align with what I think or what I feel should be right. And it's just very much a intellectual kind of thing. This doesn't make sense to me, so I'm going to reject it. That doesn't feel right, so I'm going to reject it. I'm going to kind of pick and choose and believe the things that I want to believe and leave the rest of those things off to the side. And guys, both the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not recognize Jesus Christ as being God. And that's my concern I've got, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are deconstructing right now. And deconstructing is important. I think it's vital because we are at a place within our Christianity, especially within evangelical Christianity, where there's a lot of stuff that's been added to and added on. And it's not even necessarily truly biblical anymore. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to be deconstructed. But what you end up with, with is like one group who's saying, oh, no, no, deconstruction is bad. And it's really sad how people who are deconstructing have been treated by many evangelical Christians. Like I just breaks my heart. That's a whole nother, whole nother topic. And yet so often people who are deconstructing jump from the conservative evangelicals to more of a progressive liberal faith. And I just want once again to say, guys, both of those camps missed Jesus. And the people who found Jesus were kind of like the people who were really not into religion, people who were Gentiles, people who were, they called them sinners, but people who had disregarded the law and the rabbinical teachings, people who were tax collectors, who were traitors to their own nation. It was kind of like the unwanted people, the nobodies who discovered Jesus. And so as I was reading through Luke 6, 
And I was kind of comparing and contrasting the responses here. Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. There was a man with a withered hand in the synagogue, and Jesus just heals him. And the Pharisees are furious. The religious leaders are furious with him because he had healed somebody on the Sabbath. He had disregarded their laws, their ideas of what the Sabbath should look like, and he had healed somebody on the Sabbath. Anyway, and he talks about how they were just filled with fury, and they discussed with one another, what are they going to do with him? What might they do to Jesus to stop him from ruining all their plans and their lives and their things that they have going on? How do we stop this Jesus? And yet if you keep going in Luke 6, it talks about these crowds who followed him because they watched him heal people. They watched him deliver people from, from demonic presences. They, they watched him like heal people's sicknesses. And it says the crowd, they sought to touch him because power came out from him and healed them all. And I just think, guys, I think so much about church right now and Christians and American evangelical Christians. And I just have to wonder, like, which group would we fit into? If the real Jesus showed up today and he was doing things that he wanted to do that he felt were important, would we even recognize him? Would what he's doing make us angry? Would he be messing with our pet ideas? Would he be challenging us in ways that make us uncomfortable? Would we even recognize him? And would we be like the crowds trying to touch him, to see the power coming out of him, so curious and wanting more? Or would we be furious like the religious leaders? Guys, I think, I think we'd be furious. There is so much in modern evangelical America that is not truly Jesus that is not truly of the real God or the real scriptures. There's so many things that have been added, extra things that people hold up and they think are more important. The way people are willing to just judge and condemn. And as Jesus went on in Luke 6, and he's talking to the crowds who had come to him, he talks about, blessed are you who are poor because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the hungry because they're going to be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, but because you shall laugh. And he's like kind of turning the tables on them. He's saying like the people who are blessed are the ones who are broken and who are poor and who don't have what they think they need. And he talked about like, he said, blessed are you when people revile you and they hate you because so they hated the prophets in, in the Old Testament. And then he turns around and he has woes, which is different than Matthew. In Matthew chapters five and six and seven, there's a, another Sermon on the Mount. And in Luke, it's different. He talks about woes. Woe to you when you're, when you're full now. Woe to you who are rich now. And then he says something interesting. He says, woe to you if people are liking you and approving of you, because so they liked and approved the false teachers and the false prophets. And that just stuck out to me so much. Because within evangelical Christianity, there's this whole push within the publishing industry, within the marketing industry, to be somebody that everybody wants to follow. And yet Jesus himself is saying people that are getting lots of approval, they're the false, false teachers. And as the people who are speaking truth, they're not going to be popular. Like this is not going to be a popular message to say, hey, you're wrong. You are wrong and you're missing Jesus. That's not going to be popular. And he goes on and he talks about loving our neighbors, loving our enemies, how even God is full of mercy and grace to those who are evil and who don't care. And then he moves on to judging. 
And he says, judge not, condemn not, and forgive. Guys, I just can't help but think about where we're at right now. We live in such a polarized and broken society where everybody is our enemy and people who don't think like us are wrong. And it's our job to go ahead and just expose them and tell them how wrong they are. Judge not? Are you kidding me? That's all we do. Condemn not? Have you looked at social media lately? Like, it's a disaster right now. And the Christians aren't any different from anybody else. If anything, they're worse. And I hate that. And that is not the way it should be. The last thing that I noticed as I was reading through Luke chapter 6 was when Jesus is talking about good fruit and good trees. He talks about how a good tree is going to bear good fruit. There's no other way it can happen. Like it's going to bear good fruit. But a bad tree is going to bear bad fruit because that's just what's going to happen. And that we'll know people by are their fruits. And this is something that keeps getting brought up over and over again in scripture. And guys, this is where things get messy because there's some really bad fruit going on right now within evangelical Christianity. And just because somebody has a big following or their churches are big or whatever, that doesn't mean that's good fruit. Like, look at what's happening behind the scenes. Look at the people who are being hurt. Look at the brokenness. Just because somebody has money and fame and power and massive following doesn't mean it's good fruit. Numbers don't equate to good fruit. Good fruit is like people's lives are being changed and they're meeting Jesus. And good fruit doesn't necessarily mean there's a, a huge following or money involved. It just means that the Holy Spirit is touching people and things are things are changing people's lives and we're learning and we're growing and we see the fruits of the spirit coming out of us. We see love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, which is not at all what we see in the world right now. It's interesting because I feel like there's this sides thing. Like if I call out the evangelical church, then apparently I'm, you know, a progressive liberal Christian. But I'm not like I'm calling out the evangelical church and the mess that's in it. And yet I'm still kind of an evangelical. I mean, sort of, not really. There's got to be a middle way, guys, a place where it's not about me and my opinions and me being right and you being wrong and black and white and us versus them and everything else. There's got to be a middle way of Jesus where Jesus spoke hard truth and people wanted nothing to do with him again. Like they they left. They're like, I can't handle that. That's too weird, Jesus. I can't take that. I'm leaving. And yet he loved the broken people and he did not judge or contemn anybody. Did he speak truth? Absolutely. Did he change lives? Yes. But there wasn't condemnation and there wasn't judgment and there wasn't this whole, I'm better than you, even though he was, even though he is. And I guess my point of this podcast today is I just want us to be searching our own hearts. Like, where's my heart? Am I a Pharisee? Am I a Sadducee? Or am I truly a follower of Jesus Christ? Has Jesus changed my life in a way that just doesn't make sense and can't really be explained, but I, like, I'm all in following him no matter what? Or do I care more about traditions and the ways of Christianity has always been or the people that I follow? Do I care more about human reasoning and my own understanding of things? What am I basing my faith on? Is it okay to ask questions? 
to doubt, to wonder. Yes. Yes, it is. And guys, it's the broken people that found Jesus. The messy ones, the rejected ones, the ones that were tired of religion, tired of tradition, and yet the ones who were willing to keep seeking and keep with him, even when he said strange, weird things, and the ones that didn't trust in their own understanding and their own intellectual wisdom, but the humble ones and the ones that were willing to just stick it out, even when he sounded crazy. So I just want to encourage you guys today. There's more. The evangelical church is a mess right now in America. And that's just the truth. But there's a lot of other messy things too. And if you look at the history of the church, like this happens over and over again. And then God breaks through and exposes truth and sends people to speak truth and beautiful things happen. And then one day he comes back and fixes it all. We don't have to do this anymore. No more cycles of this. But it is something that's happened before and it's going to happen again. And it's just how it is. But guys, in the middle of it all, we can seek for the real Jesus because he loves broken people like you and me. And that's encouraging. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.